Welcome everyone to Ice Prep Podcast, episode six. Uh, we will get into it's been a crazy week. We're recording this on Friday uh, once again. We normally record these on Thursday, but we will eventually get back to that. It's, it's that been one of the craziest. <laughs> That's a big part of it. It's been probably one of the craziest weeks in hockey news in recent memory. But we finished the episode last week with a promise. Uh, Pat, how was the Carolina Reaper that you ate for Movember? Um, because I don't know why. Yeah, uh, to this day, I still don't know why I did it. Um, it was definitely not enjoyable. Um the full breakdown, I'll try and keep it as non-disgusting as possible. Um, so the Carolina Reaper, I took out the seeds because I was told that if I ate the seeds with this Reaper that I would be in a lot of pain. Um, and I don't know if that helped, but uh, so I ate it. It was incredibly hot right on my tongue. Uh, it felt like I was breathing fire for about 15 minutes. Every single time I took a breath, it was searing heat. Like I had burnt my tongue or like I had stuck my tongue on a, uh, like the coil of an oven is really kind of what it felt like. Um, so after that, after I swallowed it, I sat there for a while and it was waves of pain in my stomach. Uh, it would, it was like, uh, I, I mean, obviously I can't, uh, speak anything close to what pregnancy feels like. Um, but if, <laughs> but it was like contracting almost, it was like contractions in my stomach, this like intense pain. And then it would go away, intense pain, go away. Um, and then after about two hours, my body just said, Nope, you can't have this in, in you anymore. Um, so to put it as politely as possible, I rejected it. <laughs> and in doing so, the re- I, I have a feeling my body was like, okay, cool. That's now out of your body. Which, by the way, when it's coming back up, it's not... It's <laughs> oh, equally no. as terrible. Um, and it's just like your lips go numb, all these things. Um, but uh, the one thing that I said that I'm pretty sure what my body said is, okay, so even though it's gone, we're going to give you all the pain that you were supposed to feel from this for the next 24 hours, just all at once. And it knocked me to the floor. I was in the fetal position, shirtless, in my bathroom tiled floor, <laughs> sweating uncontrollably. My wife was like panicking, and I don't blame her because, you know, that's not a sight that many people want to see of their spouse. Um, and uh, yeah, I was about five minutes away from saying, I think we got to go to the hospital. But thankfully, I was able to power through it. Um, I stood up. I calmed down, I ate a whole bunch of plain white bread, not even toast, just bread, um, and uh, I felt fine. Um, I got rid of most of it, I think, that night, which is good, because I didn't really have any issues the next day. Lucky um, you. However, a good friend of mine who also did the Reaper, we did it together, um, he was able to keep his down, and he says that he regrets every moment of that. <laughs> um, I'm not going to go into the details because, again, trying hey, to keep it don't. as least disgusting as possible. But the way he described it was was pretty on point. He 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 described it as no matter what he ate, it wanted to find the fire exit right away. Um, <laughs> so it was it was an experience. I never ever ever recommend anybody do this. If anybody were to say, 
hey, I'm going to do this for charity or anything. I, I would t- do everything in my power to make sure they never would. It is, it is awful. Um, so the opposite of the blue oyster cult, fear the reaper. Oh yeah, no, it is definitely fearful. I mean, I, I made a hot sauce out of it, and it's perfectly fine. You can control the heat. It's the after effects that in my stomach, I uh, I've never experienced a pain like that, and I never want to again. Makes you wonder how the guy from London, Ontario, holds all these world records for hot peppers like that, and he seems to be fine. I don't know. But don't thank know. you very much for the for the update on that. What was the uh, final tally for your November there, Pat? Uh, I was actually able to get over $1,000, which was pretty good. I had a really lofty goal. I knew I was shooting pretty big with 2000 But, uh, yeah, I got about uh, 1060 bucks, which is fantastic. I appreciate every single person that donated. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting Movember. Uh, the team through my work raised over $6,000. So uh, well it was it was a really good campaign and uh, it was it was great to see all the support. Well, and thank you everybody, anybody out there who may have donated to Pat uh, or to Movember in general. It doesn't matter where it went to, if it went to Pat, who, by the way, it's December 3rd, uh, still looks like there's a mustache on the face there, Pat. Oh yeah, no, the mustache is staying. I'm just waiting for the beard to catch up. Uh, <laughs> I don't grow facial hair quick, so I'm hopeful that by my birthday, December 31st, uh, I will have a semblance of a beard. You and Austin Matthews, the baby face uh, duo there. Oh, yeah. We will get we will get to that um, because that was the first game post mustache shave. And that was against your avalanche. We will get there. But there's something that has happened this week. We said it was a crazy news week. And um, one of them was straight out of preschool. I'm pretty sure I got a note like two weeks ago from my kid's daycare about warning about biting. And now the NHL is doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Um, It's... It's crazy to me uh, to, to think that this is a thing. I thought it was just an isolated incident, but uh, I read an article that apparently there's been four suspensions, four suspensions for biting, um, including this one, as well as many other cases of potential bites in the league. So it's it's apparently more common than I thought. And don't forget, 50% of those biting suspensions are from a father-son duo. This is true. This <laughs> so, is very, very true. Um, that when they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I think this one is a prime example. Those that don't know, uh, Brandon Lemieux of the LA Kings uh, bit the Ottawa Senators captain Brady Kachuk not once, at least twice. They don't know how many. Suspended five games for it. And to me, one of the strangest things, we were talking about this, it's everybody's talking about this. When a player gets suspended... The NHL puts out a video explaining the suspension, and it's kind of something to behold. Saturday night in Los Angeles, Kings forward Brendan Lemieux was assessed a match penalty for biting Senators forward Brady Kachuk. The Kings chip the puck in on the Senators' goal, where it is gloved by Senators' goalie Philip Gustafson. In the ensuing scrum, Lemieux follows Kachuk into the corner in support of his teammate and engages him from behind. Kachuk spins and drops his gloves to immediately engage with the player who has grabbed him. Lemieux drops his gloves and the two grab a hold of each other, wrestling briefly before Kachuk takes Lemieux down to the ice. While on the ice, Lemieux, feeling Kachuk's hands on his face as they wrestle, bites Kachuk on his bare left hand, 
and does so with a substantial amount of force. I'd like to point out, at this point in the video, you can see Lemieux does the full-on, like, mouth going to bite at Brady's hand. So it's not like it was one of those, like, the hand is near a reflex to protect yourself. It looked like there was intent to this. Yeah, and that was um, that was a lot of the, when I was reading the article, that was most of the claims of of biting where, you know, if there's a scrum, there's a big battle. They're like, I don't know, I might have bit someone. It wasn't on purpose, but, like, there was hands in my face and you're trying to shout and it just kind of happens. This was definitely, definitely not the case in this situation. And we're just getting started. And just remember, left hand. The two continue wrestling and throwing punches as the linesmen attempt to separate them. As the two are being separated, Kachuk, while still on the ice, immediately informs the officials that Lemieux bit him as he examines his own hands, showing the officials that he is bleeding. Kachuk regains his feet with cuts on both hands, and both players are escorted to the penalty box. While circumstantial evidence supports the argument that Lemieux may have bitten Kachuk multiple times during this fight, we are limiting our review of this incident to the bite that occurs almost immediately after the players fall to the ice. This bite is to the left hand of Kachuk. Due to a lack of evidence, this decision does not include an analysis of how Kachuk ended up bleeding from his right hand. One Which I would like to point out, if you have not seen this video, on his right hand, it looks like he got into a fight with, like, a mouth. Like, there is a definitive bite, like, the half-moon shape on his right hand. And there is not enough video evidence, so they have to have the video evidence. It, could you imagine if outside of hockey, when you're in the real world, I, I'm sorry, Your Honor, uh, we can't go on because there was no video evidence of this crime, even though here's all the evidence that exists. Yeah, like literally all they had to do is just wait for his hand to be kind of wiped up a little bit with the blood. And all of a sudden you would see, you know, the entire teeth mark. But no, there's not enough evidence. No, not enough evidence. It's ridiculous. Once the players hit the ice, Kachuk's bare left hand moves up around the mouth of Lemieux. Lemieux responds by biting down on the back of Kachuk's hand with force. We have heard Lemieux's argument that the puncture may have been caused in this moment by Kachuk punching him on the tooth with force sufficient to cause a puncture wound. The video evidence does not support this version of events. The video shows evidence of a biting motion by Lemieux onto Kachuk's hand, consistent with the puncture marks that were identified post-game. This conclusion is sufficiently supported by video evidence, but is further supported by the official's report, as well as medical information submitted by the Senator's training staff. This so, is not a hockey play. <laughs> we'll go back because that's one of the funniest parts to me. They, they get all the evidence, but only for the one hand that they have video of. And it's just a tiny little bite on that one. It still sucks. But the other hand, it's like right in the palm. You can see the bite marks. And they've just decided to completely disregard that for some reason. It's weird. This is not a hockey play. This is a player delivering a forceful, intentional, and potentially dangerous bite to the bare hand of another player with sufficient force to puncture the skin. Such actions will not be tolerated. To summarize... This is biting. <laughs> Lemieux has been suspended twice and fined once during his 194-game NHL career. The Department of Player Safety has suspended Brendan Lemieux for five games. 
That's all you need to know. This <laughs> is biting. Uh, and it's on the screen. It's just a prompt, and it pops up with just the word that says biting. It's just... It's... It's on... The fact that this is a thing, the fact that it's... The fact that we're talking about this on a hockey podcast. His... His dad was suspended for biting a player as well, like... It's unreal, and you can't help but laugh because of how stupid it is. And then there's the whole saga of Kachuk's rant about it, which has just become... It's already a copy-pasta, which to me is hilarious. And then DJ Smith going to the media and saying, Well, I think he has to go get a tetanus shot. I don't know. So it's been... And that's not even the craziest thing of this week. It's just one of the more... It, it It's only hockey stories. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you look at all the news that broke this week, and it just, it flies from every corner of weird. And this is just one of those corners of weird. Uh, yeah, because who would have expected um, that Vancouver would have done absolutely nothing to their coaching staff and their management and that it would be another Canadian team that basically just gave everybody the boot. Yeah, but Vancouver won two games, so they're back in. Everything's it. fixed. Yeah. Everything's good. Plan the parade, Vancouver. You'll meet Boston in the finals again. You know what? They uh they 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 did great things against those two teams, you know. They were top tier teams, the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. They killed those <laughs> two. I mean, Granted, there, there's still a lot of talent. There's still a lot of good play in there. Don't get me wrong. And Thatcher Demko, uh, once again, is proving why he doesn't deserve to be on that team and deserves why to be on he might liter- be playing in the Olympics if the Olympics happen. Yeah, and he's literally better than most goalies. It's kind of like a John Gibson situation many moons ago, or not even many moons ago, like last year almost. Um, Darcy Kemper last year in Arizona. Yeah, like you've got these really good goaltenders that are just stuck on crappy teams, and that's really the situation right now with Thatcher Demko. I think he's a fantastic goaltender, but you know he's he's standing on his head every single day. But there's only like, even if you put a wall up in there, the defense is so bad they somehow still let it in. <laughs> Didn't want to go too much into Vancouver with that because yeah, until something happens, there's not much to talk about. Pedersen scored a Pedersen style goal. Hooray! Yep. That was just, what, fourth of the season? So at this point, it's, who who cares? There's, like, there's players that put up three goals in a season that have put up five at this point. Why Pedersen at this point? I agree with you a few weeks ago. I disagreed then. Was he overpaid? Uh, it's looking like right now, yes. But the Habs, we teased it. Um, they let go of a lot of people. Yeah, and it's kind those. of a crazy story that... Um, so Jeff Gordon used to be the general manager of the New York Rangers. He was let go last season. He is now a part of the management at the Habs, but nobody had any idea about it until Saturday night when word leaked on it. The very next day, Sunday afternoon, Mark Bergevin, the GM is gone, his assistant GM, a longtime scout, and there was somebody else in the organization. So out of nowhere, Jeff Molson basically went, all right, let's, let's try something new. Well, I mean, they had to do something. Um, and uh, is it Bergevin the answer? I don't know. Is it the coach that's the answer? I don't know. Is it everything? I don't know. But plain and simple, they they have somehow gone from being second place. They were in the battle for the Stanley Cup 
to full rebuild. And, like, from the ground up full rebuild. They are getting rid of their uh their their gm and that is just that's such a big move and i just i still can't believe that they made the move before vancouver did vancouver has been just not great for a while i mean they had some flirts with some okay play here and there but they were they were okay whereas the canadians they made it that far they made it to the end and then they're like ah you know what few months in we're done bye well, it's almost like losing Philip Deneau, losing Carey Price, losing Shea Weber uh, kind of has a massive impact on your team. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're they're missing key pieces, and they also lost, and I've said it before, Corey Perry. And as much as you may not like Corey Perry, he does good things in front of the net, and that is a key player on And he started play. to do that recently in Tampa Bay. He's on a tear right now because he's getting the minutes because they've had injuries. Exactly. He is a good player. Whether you like him or not is a very different story. You can hate players, but still admit that they're good. I'm not a big fan of Sidney Crosby, like I've said before, um, because of the way that he treated the Memorial Cup here in London, and he was just very juvenile about his response when they lost. I kind of hold that against him because I'm, you know, petty. But uh, Corey Perry, yes, he's done terrible things. He's made terrible plays, but he's still a good player. He's still talented at scoring goals. And if he wasn't, he wouldn't be in the league. Exactly. The Canadians let him walk away and go to Tampa you know, so he can retire in Florida, you know, as you do. And yeah, except he's got a really nice house here in the north end of London, so I don't true. think he'll retire down there. I guess that's true. That'll be his vacation home. But anyways, he'll be a <laughs> snowbird um, at like 40. Um, he, so they've lost all these key pieces. And so clearly the team isn't going to be at the peak that they were before because they're missing all these people. So... The expectation of them to be this, like, well, you know, Chris Johnson term, a juggernaut, is not going to happen. It's not, because they're missing all these important pieces for the team. And, like, not just, oh, okay, a first-liner and, a, like, no, like, the goalie, the goalie in the league is missing. The goalie that, if he's healthy, will be the goalie for Team Canada at the Olympics. So it's that's a big hole to fill, and Shea yeah. Weber would have made the Olympic roster. So it's one of those. Yeah, and one thing, so uh, a few hours ago from this, kind of the nice thing about doing this on the Friday, is that Jeff Gordon had a uh, a news conference going over a few things. One of the smart things that he did, he knows pretty much zero French. He did open up that presser with some French and basically apologize, saying this is all I know. That is one of those goodwill things that will go a long way for him. There's two or three things in here. This one, though, he wants more time to learn the team before sharing his roster reconstruction vision, which means that he's not going to come in, look at this player, oh, you're underperforming, get rid of him. He's going to give it a little bit of time to see, get to know. He's bringing in some of his own analytic staff because whatever was happening in Montreal, he didn't like. Mm-hmm. And he also confirmed that Ducharme is the coach for the rest of the year. So that's not going to be a thing and basically deflected any thought of Patrick Waugh ending up being the GM, which that was kind of the big takeaways today. Yeah. And I mean, Patrick Waugh being the GM, you know, God love him. He is hilarious to me. Like everything he does is like just pure media frenzy. And I love it. Is he going, would he be a good GM? Probably not. 
No, he's an angry man that would make rash decisions. And honestly, I would love that. I want That would him... be great, but for the Habs, no. if it was anybody but the Habs because of the history of that team, I think it could happen. If Imagine if a team like Seattle, a new team coming into the league, had a hot head for a GM. Oh. That would be the most fun thing on the planet. Instead, yeah. yeah. I'd see, and I, I want him to be a GM for like a year, maybe two years, and just make these decisions that are so irrational and off the cuff. And it's just like somebody says something wrong to him. He's just like, you know what? You're gone. I'm going to bring in somebody else. Okay. You're like the star player. Like, bye. Okay. You want to be a jerk? Fine. Get it's out like of Yarmo Kekalainen in Columbus, except bad at his job. Exactly. And that's exactly what I want in the league. This chaos that's been happening, at least the the silly positive chaos, if you want to call it that, in the league this year, um, has been wonderful. I have loved every moment of this sheer insanity that has been, you know, the gameplay and the weirdness of this league. It Yeah, it's it's been one of those seasons that... There are a lot of games that are not worth watching, but there's always something coming out from them that makes no sense or you've never seen before. Or who would have thought, this is completely on a different thing, uh, JT Miller uh, pulling out his inner Connor McDavid, blowing past a couple defensemen to score a goal. It's just been one of those years where... Something remarkable it's, it's, happens almost every game, or at least every night. And it... And then off the ice, the stories that are coming out, it's it's fun. It just feels, hockey feels at a fun point right now. And I feel like it's been a long time since I felt that because it it's almost like, well, I'll use the term, the old boys club is starting to get pushed aside mm-hmm. and you're getting a lot of the new young blood coming in that want to do things differently. Could you have imagined two years ago that there would be teams not doing formal dress wear going to the games it would have been unthinkable i mean the i think it was was it last year yeah it was last year uh the lake tahoe event when they all showed up in their ridiculous outfits uh, the outdoor games they've been allowed to show up in those insane outfits i think that's been it yeah boston the one time showed up in the like 1930s mobster wear and it looked amazing yeah and like last year when the Bruins or what's it? Yeah, it was the Bruins versus Philly when they all showed up wearing like '90s gear and like the the flamboyantly bright uh, pink uh, fanny packs and the ridiculous glasses. That was great. I loved it's, it. It's nice to see personality finally. It's almost like since the Capitals won the Cup and we got to see Ovechkin basically just do this like drunken Hollywood fun thing with the Stanley Cup, like going into the fountain. Just being drunk twenty four seven. The NHL went, hey, it it maybe people like seeing, you know, fun things and not just the super serious hockey stuff all the time. Well, I mean, for me, I think the most fun thing that I saw, and right now I'm going to skip over the Toronto versus Colorado game. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We have to. I mean, you can't not talk about it, unfortunately. But uh, the Colorado versus Montreal game. I think my favorite thing from that entire thing, that game that happened, was that a Montreal Canadiens fan threw not only a hat onto the ice when they lost, but also their jersey. And the reason that makes me so amazingly happy and joyful to see is that a friend of mine that's a Habs fan 
said to me when I was grilling them about when the Habs were like almost having a riot in the street when they won one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, or in the Stanley Cup final, sorry. Um, when I was making fun of them for that, they said, well, at least we're not dramatic like Leafs fans. You'll never see a Canadians fan throw a jersey on the ice. And the moment that that jersey hit the ice, I just felt this warmth of happiness flow across my body that I've never felt before. It was great. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that are starting to realize Pat feeds off of, like, misfortune of others. Yeah. It's great. Well, I, who knows? Maybe that maybe that Habs fan is looking at what happened with the Leafs, the jersey thrown on the ice earlier this year. They were struggling. And now look at them. As of right now, they are top of the NHL. Mind you, they've played more games than anybody else. Uh, spoiler alert. Montreal's not going to start winning games because of this. No, people are already saying that they are not in playoff contention. Uh, they are sellers. They are looking to move people, obviously. Jeff Gordon, like he's still, like you said, he's going to be assessing the situation, seeing the play and everything. But in the sense that he's looking at who is valuable, who can he get money or assets for? And that's uh, the name on the list of many GM's uh, phones right now is Ben Chirot. Ben and there's Chirot. a lot of teams that would kill for a player like that. If if you're a team that thinks you're going to make a playoff run and he is not somebody you're looking at, then you're making a huge mistake. Just look at him last year. He was one of the strongest defensemen not named Shea Weber that was on the ice night in, night out. It's And then you have to wonder what team will make a run at because a player like that, it's going to be a first plus. I can guarantee it. Yeah. And, that, and it, it's will, will Gorton be wanting just prospects? Will he be wanting picks or will he be wanting an actual body back as well? And that's where I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they go full rebuild. They may go a lot of uh, the Arizona route of I want every pick available. Yeah, I mean, uh, LeBron, uh, today he said, uh, today being Friday, we're going to just keep saying today being Friday this entire episode. That's what the episode will be called. Um, but uh, he mentioned on, I believe it was on Insider Trading, that um, Sherratt is a price tag of uh, first overall. Um, or not first overall, but first round, first round draft pick. So the question then becomes, who is going to be willing to give up a first for that? But also, Sherratt wants to go for a contender. He has said that that's his thing. He has a 10-team no-trade clause. Um, so, you know, he's got a little bit of pickiness. And depending on who's in the running, you know, he might waive a certain couple teams. But even still, he is going to be a sought-after asset for teams that need more defense and need a stronger defensive core because he is a, for sure... If he's not a first pairing, there's no way he's lower than second. Um, he is a very strong defenseman. He's got a very good head on his shoulders. He can put points up, but he can also shut people down. And that's so, so important in the playoffs. But I don't want to talk too much about Venturot. So he's going to Vegas. Oh, yeah. Obviously, he's going to go to Vegas because everybody ends up going to Vegas. So you can choose any team that you want it to go to. And then suddenly he's going to be with Jack Eichel, who was skating. In Vegas, where did I not say we would see him back soon? 
I'm, like that's the wow. crazy thing with this surgery. I there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be big believers on this if everything works out as it's supposed to. Yeah, as long as he's able to stay on his skates and there's really no negative repercussions in I suppose really the time that he's on the ice, then all the GMs are going to be like, "Yeah, go for it. Let's get this. This seems like the right move cuz I can he had a disc replacement and he's already skating. That was only a few weeks ago. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that and it's it's good for hockey in general if he is coming back and especially if he comes back and looks good. Sorry, I was just trying to look at some of the top teams right now to see who had the space for somebody like Sherratt. Um, you're not going to like this. Carolina is definitely one of those teams. I mean, I don't mind uh, Carolina. That would be nice to see. Like, they seem to be picking up a lot of people that they see the value in them. They've made a lot of really smart choices. Unfortunately, Tony D'Angelo was one of those choices. Um, we won't get into that whole saga because there's also a second of the now three unvaccinated players who are on the COVID-19 protocol list in the NHL. Yep. Uh, which, I mean, I don't know. To me, I heard the numbers, and it's upwards of $20,000 per game that you forfeit. Um, if Friendly reminder, it's about 2500 per uh, fine in the NHL. Yeah. So, so it's... Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It seems silly to me to just burn money like that. Um, especially, you know, because Tyler Bertuzzi is the one that we're talking about. He has been placed on the COVID list because he hadn't gotten his vaccine. And he is actually technically the only unvaccinated. Tony D'Angelo was pushing against it. But Tyler Bertuzzi was the last one, apparently, according to the internet. Um, but, which obviously you should trust blindly. Um, but... With him missing games in Canada, because he's not allowed to play any Canadian teams, every single time that he misses a game in Canada, he forfeits, you know, about 20K or up to 20K. What happens by some miracle, and it may not even be a miracle, but what happens if Detroit makes it into the playoffs? They slide into that wild card slot and they're facing a Canadian team. Does Yeah, that's... That's one of those situations where Iserman will have to look at that. Maybe maybe he has to get traded because of that. Even though he's a valuable piece, it becomes if a valuable piece is unusable in the playoffs and that is the only hockey that matters, then that's that's an interesting storyline for a few weeks down that I wouldn't be surprised as we get towards February, March, the Olympic break if it happens, if Detroit's still in the running. That will be a top story. Yeah, that that will be something that they're going to have to really take a hard look at. And I mean, the trade deadline's a little bit later this year. It's in March. Um, so, you know, they might look at that being like, well, let's get rid of it then. This is an issue. Let's get rid of it. I, I'm surprised that Eisenman let it slide to begin with. But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some some movement if that is the case, because that's... That's 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 hard to work around. That's that's a key player. If it was a fourth line center, you know, you can swap him out for a rookie that's, you know, coming up from the AHL for those, you know, two or three games here and there. But for someone like, you know, Bertuzzi, like he, as much as I'm not a big fan of the last name, 
Uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got some old school Bertuzzi's that like to pop into your mind when you hear that name. Um, he is a solid player. He's a key player for the team. So to lose that every single time you play a Canadian team and like, that's not every once in a while. That is a decent amount. That sucks. Well, the one good news for Detroit, the only Canadian team outside of in the Stanley Cup finals that they would play beforehand would be the Leafs as it stands now. Uh, they wouldn't even be facing them in the wild cards. They wouldn't have to worry about the Leafs in the second round. So, hey, they may be completely fine if they want to keep them around. That's unless it goes to the Stanley Cup finals. So that yeah. would be a joke about the Leafs in the first round if you missed it. Yes, you're, you're, uh, you're not wrong. Um, but I want to kind of go back to Pierre Lebrun because okay. he was, he was talking, obviously he talked about, Sher- uh, Sherrod, but apparently now I didn't hear this. I, d- I saw someone tweeting about this and I don't know how true this is, but Pierre Lebrun was saying that price may not want to stay in Montreal if they're going to be doing a full rebuild. It's not guaranteed. I... But it's just I'm hearing that though, am I shocked? No, no. He wants he, to win. He wants to win more than like any other player that I have seen in the league. Uh, when they made that run and they were stopped by the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final, they made it to the Cup that year. They would have won. Mm-hmm. They were not a strong enough team last year. It makes sense that he would want to go somewhere to try and win. Hopefully it doesn't end up kind of tarnishing the the last end and then it kind of becomes the joke like St. Louis Blues legend Martin Brodeur. But if he wants to win, the Rangers tried to do that with Lundqvist and then, of course, he had the heart issue so he didn't get to play with the Caps at all. Yeah. So I imagine the team might pay a little bit if he's healthy and he shows he's good. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately the team that LeBron kind of whispered, and I don't know. Again, I didn't hear it. I don't know 100%. Do not quote me for those that want to quote people. I don't know. They mentioned Colorado because their goalie situation is unfortunately a goalie situation. So so let me me get this straight. A a goalie once out of Montreal is, is looking at a team that is down south and it's Colorado? Why is this ringing bells to me, Pat? See, what? I was okay with it when it was Patrick Waugh, but <laughs> I mean I I have I have run Carrie Carrie Price's name through the mud with every single Habs fan that's a friend of mine. Um because I'm just I think I think he's a good goaltender. Um, but he just, he, he shows up when he wants to show up and that's not, he shows up in the playoffs. Yes, but that's not a reliable goaltender. You need consistency and you can't hope that he'll show up in the playoffs because that's a scary thing to hang your hat on. I hope he's okay. You know, we've, we've invested all of this money. Hopefully he shows up and he did. Don't get me wrong, but that to me would make me very stressed as a fan of the team Who's going to show up on the ice today? Is it going to be regular season Carey Price because he stretched himself thin playing his head off every single game over the past, you know, however many weeks in the playoffs? Or is he still going to be on? When is he going to regress in the playoffs? Because he can't, 
like I know that obviously Colorado could, in theory, carry him, but you know Darcy Kemper is a very good goaltender, but he's not showing it this year. I mean, maybe it's because of skates, but um, <laughs> you know he's a, he's a very solid and consistent goaltender, but this year he's just not showing it. So. I don't know. It's just I don't like the idea of Carey Price on Colorado. I feel like I would be really disappointed if he showed up there. And I feel like I'm probably one of, like, four people in the world that are Avs fans that wouldn't want to see literally the top goaltender for Team Canada on our team. I think the story alone of another goalie leaving Montreal to go to Colorado, and if that ends up being the year that the Avs make it and win the... Could you imagine... In Montreal, if they've had not one, but two generational talent goaltenders leave their team to go to what was formerly the Quebec Nordiques and win Stanley Cups in their first year there? Oh, come on, Pat. It writes itself. We we talked about this being the fun year in hockey. How is that not the most fun possible story that exists out there? You get to see 31... Price in an Az jersey, and hopefully maybe he shows up and he's like, the only way I show up is they get rid of those ugly blue numbers on your aways. Yeah, no, that won't happen. But, no, I mean, the, the only thing that would be more satisfying than that would be Game 7, Colorado somehow versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. It goes into overtime, and who puts it in the net after a takeaway from Kerfoot? But Nazem friggin' Patrick. <laughs> I would... I don't think I I would get a tattoo of whatever that goal looked like (laughs) on my chest. It could be the worst goal in the world. I don't care. And I would, I don't, I would just scream that from the rooftops. I'd paint my house with that recap. I would pay a graffiti artist to spray that on every single, like, Leafs fan that I know their house. I don't think that I would be able to to live further than that. I'd be too And you know what's the best? The best part would be is Leaf fans would be so conflicted because they still love, and I mean love, Kadri. That's that to me is the most fun part. Um, so much so that we, I've I've let you get away from this for long enough. We have to talk about uh, the eight three game. Yeah. If you were wa- if you were watching the Leafs feed, every single one of the eight Toronto goals after every single one, whoop, instant camera pan to Kadri. And honestly, it drove me crazy because uh, let it go. Holy crap. Like that, the way I look, it's been years, like plural, multiple years that Nazem Kadri has not been on your team. You need to let that go. I watched the Colorado feed of that game. They didn't pan to Kerfoot every single time that he was on the bench and he played for them uh, for quite a while when Barry was on the team. They don't do that. Any former Av, unless they had just been traded, almost never show up on the Avalanche feed. But Toronto, just, there's this obsession with Kadri. And it's sad. It's the what should have been. It's so sad. I honestly... It's, it's, like the, it's like the ex that you think about from high school, and then you look them up on Facebook, and it's like, oh, they're having a good life. What could have been? I mean, that, that's like Leaf fans with Kadri, is it not? Yeah, and I guess I mean it's Avalanche fan with uh, Duchesne. Well, now not for a while with Duchesne. It was like you'd if you wanted to feel good about yourself, you'd you'd look it up and you'd be like, ha, 
look at that. They're not having a good time. And then you look at them this year and you're like, oh, they've 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 turned things around. They're they're Ryan O'Reilly 2.0. Yeah, but like <sighs> Ryan O'Reilly, for instance, like there was really no bad blood or anything like that. There wasn't the booing from the fans. Duchesne is still on the lips of Colorado Avalanche players or fans. So I suppose that Duchesne is our cadre, unfortunately. I guess I got I have to I have to concede that we are equally as petty as Leafs fans, but we didn't pan to Duchesne's face every single time that Colorado scored. That to me is just that's different. That's a next level. Not only are the fans still talking about it, but also the media and the presentation of it. They're still talking. They're trying to drive that narrative. And it's it such a Toronto me. thing, though. I hate it, though. It's so petty. It's so pe- it's juvenile. It is a juvenile way to approach the league by creating this villain out of Kadri because he's trying to live his new career. Yeah, he screwed me over, too, in the playoffs. I'm aware of this. He screwed over the Leafs. Let it go. I'm sorry. Get over yourself and let it go. It's pathetic. If you like, if you think that it's still necessary to keep showing him on the screen every single goal, being like, look, here's Kadri. He scored two goals that night. Are you going to talk about that? That he scored two goals? That he's still up in the league when it comes to points? I believe he has more than Austin Matthews. I haven't looked. But if he's not, he's close. So, is that why? Nazem Kadri is at 30 points. He's eight behind Ovechkin. He's two ahead of uh, Kaprizov, Huberdeau, and Kuznetsov as of this recording. Uh, as for goals, um, he uh, looks like Matthews has more goals, but Kadri has 21 assists. So Yeah, so like points-wise, he's doing better than anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because points-wise, John Tavares is higher. So, like... And again, you go to the New York Islanders, and they're still bitter about Tavares. And, it, like, the Leafs fans, the whole time, they're the ones that are going, oh, you know, they won't even let that go. They won't let about John Tavares getting booed in, you know, when they go to the Rock. But then here they are doing the exact same friggin' thing to Kadri. And it's just like, okay, little hypocritical much, right? I'm aware Hot that Duchesne... the kettle black. It's just, it's pathetic. I don't know. And, like... I don't like Duchesne because he like he badmouthed the team. I don't like Duchesne because he ruined offside calls forever in this league. True. He is the reason why there is the offside rules. He was honest. It was so far. Yes, it needed to be implemented, but because of him, it is you can pinpoint it to him, like you can pinpoint Martin Broder to the trapezoid behind as to why a rule was implemented. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, that's I it, it still bothers me that they're like, your skate was one millimeter offside. Therefore, the play is offside. That's yeah. a whole other thing. That's... But clearly you can tell Pat is not bitter at all no. about that 8-3 loss. And did they not keep JJ in net for all eight goals? Okay. So here comes another little bit of a rant. I apologize. I am just running with these things today. But the the issue that happened was... Darcy Kemper was the starter for the game. And I'm not sure of the timeline exactly, but he suffered an upper body injury pretty damn close to the start of the game. So then Jonas Johansson had to come in. And now Jonas Johansson, so JJ as we're going to call him because that's easier to say, JJ isn't the backup goaltender. 
he is the third goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche. He is Michael Hutchinson. And he was going into the net pretty much ice cold. Not expecting to play. And they didn't even have a backup for him. They had the emergency backup goalie in the bench for them because they couldn't get um, their fourth goaltender to Canada in time because it was that close together. So not only did they go up against a third string goalie that was ice cold that wasn't expecting to play, they also had an e-bug that was sitting on the bench, which normally for the Leafs, that means an instant win for uh, the opposing team. But they didn't want to put the e-bug in, and rightfully so. I, you're not paying him. It's a Toronto player, first of all. Um, and he's untested, and you don't know. But JJ is not a starter goalie. He's not a backup goalie. He is a third-string goalie that you call in for emergencies, and that's what happened. That's why the Leafs were able to run away with it. And especially, as much as you hate to say it, the Leafs were the hottest team in November. They had the best record. So looking at it, and I would like to point out, this is how much Leaf fans are in their own head. That is the best November or the best month that the Leafs have ever had. And they're still being like, but but we're not all that good. You're sitting at the top of the league. Yeah. They, they, they've, they've only got two gears. It's... Well, this is the worst thing ever. And when they win, they're like, this is still the worst thing ever because we're not in the playoffs. Yeah. And I don't know, like as much as like, don't get me wrong, the goals, they looked pretty and everything like that. But you're going to be able to score pretty goals on goaltenders that aren't NHL caliber. And as much as I like JJ, I he's teetering on NHL caliber. Well, uh, there's at least one goal there where you can look at your entire uh, forward and defensive core for going... How do you let Austin Matthews stand in front of the net for that long to completely dangle like that in front and nobody is anywhere near that one as yeah, much as you want it? For sure. There's there's two or three of those goals that are 100% on the players that are not in net on the Avalanche and that's the type of thing that yeah, if that's happening in November December, that's probably for the best because you have time to figure that out. But that game of watching the Avs reminded me of the first five or six of the season when things were looking a little bit wishy-washy. Yes, and I mean, McKinnon came back that game, which uh, is also a really big, like, that's that's a thorn, really. You've got the star coming back into the lineup, and you've got to readjust. You had people that were having breakouts and, like, really kind of coming into their own in their new role. And then, you know, Logan O'Connor, at first I was kind of saying, this kid, I don't know, but his skating... Um, I don't know if you watched him skate. At times, I wasn't sure if it was McKinnon or him. He moves like McKinnon. The way that he approaches the puck and the speed of his stick, he's picked up quite a bit from what McKinnon can do. And it's it's really starting to pay off for him, which is great. But you throw in the star that's been out for a while into the rotation again, it's going to be a little bit weird. It's going to be hard to find that groove. And you're throwing in the star against the hottest team in November, against a goalie that has been standing on his head and doing unbelievable things. Like, Jack Campbell is one of the best goaltenders in the league. Um, it's it's going to be a tough hill to climb. And the reason they left him open 
potentially, I don't know, I'm not a coach or know anything about coaching, it could have been they were down. They were down, so they were being aggressive. They wanted to be closer to the point so they could have more breakouts. They're, they score on breakouts. They are good on breakouts. They're also the team with the most shots that get blocked, which means they want more opportunities with less people in the zone. Less people in the zone mean breakouts. So that's what they're playing for. They leave people open in hopes that they can get the puck to start those breakouts. It's a risky play, but it's how they get back into games. See, I like to go by the theory that is completely unhockey related, that because Matthew shaved off his mustache, nobody recognized that it was Matthews in front of the net. I just he don't looks to... like a child out there. I don't want to talk about his mustache. I, I, I spent four days reading about Austin Matthews' damn mustache, and nobody's talking about my mustache. So, you know what? <laughs> Screw that noise. He shaves it off, he gets all this attention. I grow one, and it takes me a month to grow just whiskers, and nobody talks about it. So, yeah. it was. Uh, if you're a Leafs fan, that was a game that you've been waiting for. Uh, I have the feeling that you stopped watching partway through because I was sending you messages and didn't hear anything back. Yep. So it was it was one of those games, and you're talking about stars coming back. It throws a bit of a wedge in the lineup. The Devils have had that since Jack Hughes came back mm-hmm. uh, on Tuesday. They lost their Tuesday game. They lost their Thursday game. They play again tonight, being Friday. So hopefully things start to get figured out there. Uh, there is one thing that you brought up, and it's I, I you brought this up before I started to see it talked about even on the broadcast, and that is how good. Wayne Simmons has been lately. Yeah. So I don't know if, if you've been watching the Leafs games or if you've been listening or whatever you do. Um, if you have been watching the majority of the Leafs games, you need to know how good Wayne Simmons is. He has found another gear in his game. He's just, for some reason, like he's not putting in the goals, but every single shot he's taking looks like a high danger shot. And I feel like he's just been kind of snake bit, and the goals that he's gotten have been kind of trash. But everything else that he's like been taking, he's rushing in. He is putting everything out there on the ice. He is the Leafs' best player in my mind. Spezza and Simmons have turned back the clock ten years on that fourth line. Who would have thought that? Like Simmons looks like he is back in Philly when he was that. Oh, Simmons is on the ice. Everybody's in trouble. He's in front of the net. Spezza is back to just like, I, I feel like scoring tonight, so I'm going to just do one of my patented slappers that just is going to go in because who knows what it's going to do. And it's that's one of those things that you and I, long before this podcast, have always talked about the fact that aside from the top six on the Leafs, it's trash. They have a third line. They have a fourth line. Yeah. That is... That is what Stanley Cup winning teams have is depth that can play well and you don't have to worry. The Leafs still, a lot, like a lot of other teams, if one of the big players goes down, they tend to crumble, but they may finally be in a position where that won't happen, where it wouldn't be like Tampa. They can still win without Kucherov. I don't know if the Leafs can win without Matthews. Um, I mean, I think they can win without Matthews. Um, I'm not too concerned about that. They have a good amount of talent, including in the AHL. Um, but the one thing that I've noticed uh, quite a bit about this team, really, because at first I was going to say specifically Simmons, but really this team is how much they've adapted 
adapted their game and changed their game. Um, Simmons, for example, um, originally people, when they picked him up, the reason that everyone assumed that he was there was to hit people and to hurt people. Like, he was there to to punch people. Yeah, he was there to punch people in the face when they would do something crappy. But he's not really doing that. He's creating chances. He's using his body to create space. He's been able to come in and, like, get into the slot and take these shots that, like, the goalie can barely get a blocker or a glove on. Like, he is challenging the goaltender. And that, to me is incredible when you watch what he does he comes in and creates this chance that the goalies aren't expecting it's sh- it shocks them it surprises them when he comes in and then all of a sudden the goalies now rattled they get out of position and everything like that and that's how spets has been able to put up more points because simmons is coming in and creating these chances and creating this like nervousness because they don't expect it it's it's almost like giving sheldon keith a proper amount of time to work with the players in the offseason with the preseason is starting to pay off and they still needed that little bit of runway at the beginning of the season because I can remember I heard it from every Leaf fan that I knew Dubas has to go Keefe has to go that all stopped when the winning streak started and if you look at how Keefe ran the Sioux if you look at how or no was Keefe with Sioux St. Marie I know um, I think so. I can't remember the. I know Dubis was there, but you look at how he ran the Marlies. It's a. It's this style of play, and that's why Dubis has brought him along the entire way. I, who would have thought that everybody's been asking for it for years under Babcock? Why does Matthews not throw his body around more? He's the size of a Vetchkin. Yeah. Why is he? Why does it seem like he never goes into the corners? What do you see more than anything this year? He is one of the first players into the corner battling, and he's setting up a lot of goals that way, which allows other players that were forced to, they're getting lost, and then he gets lost after. So it's it's almost like giving time to a coach and having a coach that can get these out of players, even if he looks like the angriest human being on the planet, is a good thing. Yeah, and I mean, the Leafs are 17-6-1 as of recording this. Um and that is not anything to scoff at. That is a fantastic record, especially since they had a start at the beginning that everyone was just like, well, we're done. It was a fun run. Time to nuke the team and start from the beginning again. So the fact that they have 17 wins uh, is uh, incredible. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's like 15 and 2 in that time or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The streak, the, the tear that these Leafs are on. Now, the only thing. They have had some teams that they've been tested against. Um, We'll get to this shortly. The game that they have coming up um, against Minnesota, I think might be their toughest game of the year so far. I think so too. Um, So as a West Coast fan, I watch a decent amount of West Coast games. Uh, Unfortunately, that includes the Minnesota Wild. Um, I do not like them as a team. Uh, For the past few years, they have caused multiple injuries to the Colorado Avalanche roster and pretty much any other roster that I've seen them play against. They are cheap. They are dirty. They do late hits. They do hits that are intent to injure, in my opinion. And uh, Dumba is one of the leading causes of that. He is not the cleanest player on the ice, I can tell you that. In fact, I would say he's one of the dirtiest players in the league. Um, 
So with that in mind, the Wild is a gritty team with speed. And the Leafs haven't really had to face that yet. They've faced gritty teams. They've they've faced fast teams. But they've never really faced a team that's a mix of both of that. And I, I will say flat out, do not be surprised when a Leafs player goes down the hallway because they're injured. I would... You guys have been pretty lucky. The Leafs have been pretty lucky when it comes to injuries. It hasn't been too, too bad for you guys. I mean, they, they've been there. Don't get me wrong. But it hasn't been terrible. Minnesota is an injury-making machine. Every single time Colorado plays them, at least one player. The last time they played them, three players were injured in that game. So do not be surprised if the two teams that are sitting very closely in the standings, you got the Leafs that are 17-6-1, Minnesota is 16-6-1. Do not be surprised if this is a playoff-like game, which will have dirty hits, which will have late hits, which will have a lot of aggression, and I don't know if the Leafs can match that. And both teams are coming off of big wins. Obviously, you've got the Leafs, who had their 8-3 win, the Wild, who made the Devils look silly with a 5-2 win, empty netter in there, but a player that we talked about off in one of the earliest episodes might have actually been the first one, in Kirill Kaprizov, he he is looking like he is worth what he is paid now. And that's one of those... The Wild are a team, they've been the Minnesota mild for years. They, they're going to make it in as like the 15th or 16th seed. And that's about it. You're going to get formerly uh, Bruce Boudreaux, who's going to say Dan, or darn really loud on the bench, but it wasn't that. They are starting to look like a scary team that, as you said, their style in the regular season, they're going to get called on some of those in the playoffs. Those extra little things that are going to get players down the down the tunnel, they don't get called. This, I know that we normally don't do game of the week for what would be happening on a Saturday night. This could end up being potentially one of the games of December. Yeah, this this could be uh, an unfortunate. I, I hate to say it because I really do not like the Minnesota Wild. Um, they are, you know, the Leafs have Boston and Montreal. Uh, this is to me my version of that. Um, I don't like seeing them doing well, uh, especially better than the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> but no, this is going to be a hell of a challenge for the Leafs. Um, they need to be on their A game. And then the worst part is, is they follow it up with a game against Winnipeg literally the next day. Um, thankfully, it's Winnipeg and not a different team. I feel like if it was, you know, another team, like uh, another West Coast team that was on a tear, um, I feel like they would be gassed and wouldn't be able to really even show up for that game. Uh, but thankfully, Winnipeg hasn't been really doing the greatest um, but even still, yeah, they've they've got such a challenge with the Wild. Um, I will eat my words. I said that Kirill Kaprizov is not worth that contract. He's showing that he is kind of worth it. I, yeah, I just, I'm disappointed that he signed with such a bad team. Uh, and as well, too, uh, both teams coming in on a five-game win streak. There's only one team in the league as of this recording that has more. That's Dallas with six. Dallas. It's... It's going to be one of those crazy things. Hopefully it ends up as exciting as the Washington-Florida game, and that was one against three, where Washington was up 
uh, 4-1 and ended up losing that game 5-4 in the third. So that's all we can hope for is amazing hockey. But then you also have Florida. What is with what's the water in, with the Panthers? So not only did they do the comeback win against Washington, but they were down 3 nothing against Buffalo. Then it was uh, 4-1. And then they come back and they beat them 7-4, I believe was the score, or was it 7-3? I don't know, but like they've done two colossal comebacks in the past two games they played. What is going on? It's, They're it, so good. They're so good. How have we not talked more about Florida? <laughs> <laughs> because it's Florida. I know. It's, it, well, it makes sense. It's... And even, or it's an odd year, so that means Bobrovsky is a Vesna caliber goaltender. Yeah, that that's just how it works. It's there's He's there's a few Vesna things in votes. life. It was like it was like in the 2010s. If if it was an even year, the San Francisco Giants are going to win the World Series. It did not matter. Yeah, it's this is like the exact same thing, but with goaltending and Bobrovsky. <sighs> yeah, yeah, and I mean. <laughs> There, there was, and we'll we'll quickly touch on this because I think we we're, we're going to have to call it sh- shortly. But I still wanted to touch on this that uh, there's a lot of uh, anger going around about the Vesna vote. So there were some early Vesna votes that happened, um, and right now Jakob Markstrom he is currently leading the race with 77 points. And this is just obviously it's not going to be that. Well, it might be. Who knows? So Jakob Markstrom is in first. Then you've got Freddie Anderson sitting in second, which good for Freddie. That's great to see. And then Jack Campbell in third with 39 points. So Frederick Anderson has 61 votes or 61 points from votes. And Jack Campbell has 39 points from votes. So that's the that's the discrepancy between second and third. And the internet is really not happy about this because the phrase of if Jack Campbell played for any other team than the Toronto Maple Leafs, he would be in first place. I agree with them right now. I don't. I, if you look at the numbers, he is the hottest goaltender in the league. However, if they're basing it, if it's recency bias, absolutely. If it's for the entire season thus far, the numbers correct. Frederick Anderson was undefeated. Eight games start the season before a loss. Something like that. Jacob Markstrom is just putting out... The team has almost as many shutouts as they do wins at this point. If it's the recency bias in me says absolutely Jack Campbell should be at the top. If I can take that out and go and look at the first 20 odd games, that is a perfect number. Except John Gibson should be ahead of Jack Campbell because of how the Ducks are doing how things have played. Will Jack Campbell get up there if the Leafs continue at this pace? Absolutely. But the Flames from last year to this year, it's a complete turnaround. They were supposed to be in trouble. They lost their captain. They lost their number one defenseman. They are sitting at what? Currently third in the league, uh, fourth in the league as of recording. Markstrom looks unreal. Yeah. and Yes, Carolina's... And Carolina's been on a slide right now. Yeah. But look at how Freddie started, and he's known to have a bad start to a season. This was a bad start for him, and he was flawless. So, recency bias, yes, Jack Campbell should be number one. If we're going by the quarter mark, he should be number four in my book. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if he snuck up to second place. You know, if Carolina keeps playing the game, the way that they're playing, which is sort of middle of the pack, which isn't bad. It's still good hockey. It's entertaining hockey, too. Um, 
if he continues to put up the numbers he is, then I could definitely see Jack Handel sliding upwards. But uh, I am concerned about Jack Campbell. I like him. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a very good goaltender. But the one thing that I uh, am concerned about, and it's the same concern that I had with Philip Grubauer when he first started as the starter for Colorado, and that was he hasn't played starter time. Um, As much as Jack Campbell put up quite a few games last season, even if he played every single game, or no, I think if he played every single game in the regular season, then he would have had uh, the starter amount of starts. So that would mean every single game. But other than that, he hasn't. He hasn't been the starter for our team. I don't know if he's up for the workload. I hope he is. I hope he's able to do this. But that's where my hesitation would be. And because they don't have a solid uh, backup goalie, Mrazek is, you know, who knows? He can be good. He can be bad. Joseph Wall, uh, he's amazing. Uh, he's a great goaltender. He's got a great future. Um, hopefully he's able to take some of the load for him. But at this point in time, if Jack Campbell can't get rest, I don't know if he if he can carry them to the cup as well as play Freddie Anderson numbers from last year and the year before and the year before. Well, if you're the, the Leafs organization, you're you're looking at the standings at this point saying if we can get Jack Campbell and the Leafs to a point where we can coast 500 hockey and make the playoffs by using Wall and letting Campbell rest, maybe that's part of this approach to them. And they're saying, you know what? The individual hardware, yeah, we had that last year. We still got knocked out in the first round. So do I think that this Vesna standing right now is indicative of how it's going to look at the end? Yes. Do I think that there's the possibility that the number four on that current list wins it this year? Yes. If the Ducks make it into the playoffs, no, unless Vasilevsky can put up like 20 shutouts in 25 games, to me, there's that's four insane goalies, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, even the other, there's other goalies that are on the list as well, uh, just before we wrap this little area, and that's Igor Shesterkin uh, for the New York Rangers, Andre Vasilevsky, obviously for Tampa, and Sergei Bobrovsky, and those are the ones that are, you know, bumped a little bit further. They don't have as close to as many points as uh, John Gibson up the way, all the way up to Markstrom. But uh, Shesterkin as well, that's another name you got to keep an eye on. If uh, if he continues to play the way that he's been playing, don't be surprised if he's in contention for Vesna. He is, he's doing very, very well. Um, a lot of people were nervous about the goalie situation in the New York Rangers franchise, but it's no longer a situation. He is doing a hell of a job over there. And I think from there, we'll switch in very quickly to uh, games of the week. We'll recap last week what we kind of touched on because two of the three involved our team. So obviously, you know that if you're a Leafs fan, hey, 8-3 win over the Avs. That was great for Leafs fan. If you're a Preds fan, or sorry, Sharks, then uh, hey, 5-2 over the Devils. That one was so much fun to watch. And then, of course, the, the bad game of the week. Vancouver against Ottawa. Vancouver, that big 6-2 win. Hooray! That means they didn't make any changes. I will say, sorry, though... Sorry, Canucks fans. I will say, though, if you wanted games with a lot of goals and a lot of entertainment and you really had no care on we, who the teams were, then we chose the right games for you. Cause the you, only one we missed was Washington-Florida, and we hit every other like high-goal-scoring game. Yeah, so... 
I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with those picks. Uh, as much as the Avalanche got demolished, it was great for Leafs fans to actually have something to cheer about. But I swear to God, you need to stop texting me. Not you, Brian, <laughs> but P- Leafs fans. You need to stop texting me and saying, you know, how are the abs? I know they did bad. I don't need to hear it anymore. And every time you text me, it makes me sad. Please stop. <laughs> so we'll get to this week's games of the week i really like the first one that you have on here it stats dictate it should be a one-sided affair history dictates it should be a one-sided affair but hockey is hockey so it probably won't go that way yeah so the first game that i have on this list is december 7th and it is tampa bay versus montreal in montreal it is the first time tampa and montreal are seeing each other since the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, as much as the teams are very different, they look different than what they did, it should be at least there should be some entertainment value in there. It's too bad that we don't have... Um, oh, why can't I think of the... Uh, Kuznetsov. No, not Kuznetsov. Who's the injured player? Kucherov. Why couldn't I because, think of it either? My goodness. Because the <laughs> Habs fans hate Kucherov probably more than anything. So the fact that we don't get to see that is a little upsetting. Oh, I hope he flies in with them and he just sits up in a booth and just like crushes Bud Lights the whole time. <laughs> and ju- I just want him to be there just to be- stir that pot, make them angry. Ugh. I, you have to imagine they'll Tampa will do something involving yeah. that. They they have to even if it's even if it's an oppressor afterwards. Uh, we have two more for this week. Obviously, had to mix in another uh, battle of the bad. Yep, and my choice for the Battle of the Bad, which the Battle of the Bads have turned out to be pretty good games in the sense that there's a lot of goals, and, you know, that's what you pay money to see. Um, And that is the New York Islanders versus the Ottawa Senators. They have nearly identical records, which is terrible for the Islanders. Um, So that, in my opinion, should be an awful game that should be entertaining. Um, I, I have no money or any stake in that game so i want to watch it and just like i hope everyone just trips over the blue line like they can barely skate you know that's that the standings kind of show that that's roughly the game they're playing anyway so let's just see it i think we'll have to pick a different team than ottawa next week as well because i think that's ottawa three weeks in a row in battle of the bad sorry sent yeah the this, the Senators can literally put in seven goals every single night, and they'll still lose. Yeah, they they, they play really fun and entertaining hockey, plain and simple. Like it's they one just of need, the reasons they just why, need saves. Yeah, the, like their goaltending needs some work, which is why they brought in that new goalie coach. And I'm hopeful that you start to see a bit of a turnaround for them because they deserve it. They play fun hockey. They're aggressive. They do big checks. They've got really young core that are a lot of fun to play, and they're very, very talented. So, yeah, on paper, they should be pretty good. And you know what? It's They're fun games. They're fun games. I would pay to see. I'd be, I would pay and be one of the 15 people that go to an Ottawa Senators game. That's just mean. I know, and but the, it's true. The, the final game, though, we did say earlier, probably the game of the month will end up being the Leafs taking on the Wild. Not going to have that one in the game of the week because this typically comes out either late Friday, early Saturday. Um, So we won't count the Saturday game. But I am going to include one of the two teams in that. And that is the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday night. So the same night 
as Tampa Montreal. However, out west, so you can do a doubleheader if you want a games of the week, <laughs> taking on the Edmonton Oilers. It's which, which Oilers team is going to show up, and at this point, um, it it doesn't matter because uh, you don't need McDavid scoring because Zach Hyman's doing all the work lately. Yeah, I mean, Hyman's been showing that he's really good, uh, but, you know, Edmonton are kind of hit with the uh, the missing players bug, if you will. Uh, you're... They don't have defensemen, they're just outscoring their problems. Yeah, they, 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 literally, they literally do not have their defensemen right now. They are missing Cody Ceci, everyone's favorite defender from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Cody Ceci, who... Every single time I hear his name, I just need to do this anecdote. Anytime I hear the name Cody Cece, I can just picture the shot that he took in the playoffs that was so far wide that he pretty much put it into the corner. And it was apparently supposed to be a shot on net. It was, I can't even describe how bad it was, but I just picture it and it's just uh, it's satisfying. But yes, Cody Cece, he is out. So is Duncan Keith. Um... I know that those are weird names to say that they're important for the team, but they're so when important. When you've got the workhorse, like when you have the insane forwards that you do, yeah. stay-at-home defensemen who aren't going to get into a lot of trouble, it doesn't matter if the majority of the league is like, oh, you're too old, you're washed up, I don't want you. That's what you need, and that's what they provide did. Yeah, so with those two gone, it is going to be a bit tough, um, but more or less, it's going to be... It's going to be a challenge. Like, I, I, as much as I don't like the Wild, they they make the games difficult. And any team that isn't built the same way with the speed and the grit, it's a tough hill for them to get over. And they weren't like that two years ago. This no. all changed. They won't be when like Kaprizov, that next year. This, this all changed when Kaprizov joined. And the Wild, everybody was like, well, they look how much money they had to spend to get rid of Suter and Parise. And even with that dead cap space, they are still a scary team. They are fun. They're kind of technically in two game of the weeks because let's be honest, the Leafs and Wild game will probably, it, there'll be fireworks. Yeah, it, it should be interesting. Um, but yeah, Leafs fans, keep an eye for the injuries. Don't be surprised if uh, if you hear a few names, at least one name. I'm I'm willing to put money on the fact that at least one Toronto Maple Leaf will get injured. Well, let's hope you're wrong on that. I think that's a good place to wrap it up for this week. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in once again to Ice Prep Podcast. You can find us on every major podcast network as well. Same thing on social media. We are everywhere. You can follow my Twitter if you'd like, at It's Woodrow. Pat is that Pat L. Anything to add as we head out? Uh, nope. Here's hoping that uh, everybody on the ice doesn't get hurt from um, watch out for late hits. Watch out for neon knees. Matt Dumba, he likes those. Screw you, Dumba. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't throw a Kneelander joke in there. Oh, he is a Kneelander. <laughs> that's, that's literally what he does. He's a Kneelander. Oh. I was waiting for it. Oh, man. I'm bad. That was bad. I should have had that. I retire. I quit. Ha <laughs> <laughs>